just see everyone who's out. This is something new, and I understand we had a pretty good group earlier this morning, this afternoon. Pray for personal repentance. Hand out a paper. I'm not going to read every verse and all that kind of stuff, so don't don't be afraid. <laughs> just going to mention a few things that, Lord willing, will help us to prepare our hearts for personal repentance. The question is, well, where in the world do you start on something like that? Because the first thing you think is, well, 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 you're judging me for my sins or something. You're, you're judging me, saying I need to, to repent. Well, is there any really bad sins that I am doing? And am I really expected to repent of sins? I mean, that's our purpose here tonight, this afternoon, I should say, is have some personal repentance. But how do you go about that? What am I going to repent of? Am I doing something actually hindering the Lord's local work in my own assembly or your own assembly? Well, it was some interesting thoughts the Lord brought. It took me to Job. And Job, as you know, uh, he was tested by the Lord, as it were, allowed Satan to test him. As he's going through this trial, it seems as I read it, you'll find in the first few verses where it says, it's my fault, it's my sin. Job seems to, to realize or think that it's his fault because of what has happened to him and to all his children and all of his uh, things that he has. And so he says in Job chapter 7, verse 20, I have sinned. Chapter 10, verse 14 and 15, if I sin, God holds me accountable. In Job 13, 23, he says, make me know my transgression and sin, as he felt he had sinned. In Job 19, he says, the root of the matter is in me. In other words, it's my fault. And sometimes we think that way, don't we? When calamity happens, when problems happen, when things aren't going right, well, we've done some sin. That's possibly true. Um, the next thing that happened to Job, he, 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 in his, perhaps in his pride or perhaps just in normal thinking, he says, not my fault. In Job 23, he says, when the Lord tries me, I will come forth as gold. In Job 27, he says, I will not remove my integrity. He was a man of integrity. And he sought to be one of integrity, and, and uh, he would not turn from integrity. And he says he put on righteousness. Remember, God has given us the righteousness of Christ in him. And so he says, it's not my fault. And we go through that, don't we? we go through, sometimes we realize it isn't our fault when things go wrong. And his next step seems to be, well, it's God's fault. And Job 30 says, well, God is against me. In Job 31, he wants God to know his integrity like God didn't know his integrity. Uh, but he kind of seems to have felt like it was God's fault. But I think it, in reality it was neither Job's fault nor God's. In Job 40, Job realized, he says, Behold, I am vile. Yes, he had his godly life. Yes, probably the most godly man on earth in that day, perhaps, from what little we know of those folks back then. But in the, in the presence of God, he was still a vile person. 
Job 42, he says, you know, after the Lord rebukes him and he, and he, and he realizes that, you know, he opened his mouth when he shouldn't have, uh, he says, Lord, I repent. I abhor myself and I repent. We find that in, in, in this example of Job, it was just getting to know God in a greater way. And we realize, like Job did, how when we consider, when we think about ourselves as compared to God, we find out just how vile we really are. There are things in our life that are not right. There will always be that until, you know, we're fully redeemed, as it were, taken from the presence of sin. And in, in John chapter 9 and verse 3, remember the blind man and they ask, well, who sinned this man or his parents? And the Lord Jesus says, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Are we ready for God to reveal himself to us? You see, when it comes to personal repentance, uh, I believe it's a time when we get a greater glimpse of God, whether it be through his word, through prayer, through being with his people, we see just a little bit more how, how, how holy and righteous God is. And yet God says, be holy as I am holy. We can be holy yet like him. And yet, unlike him, we have that dual nature that we still have to deal with. And so uh, sometimes things happen in our lives. Uh, it's just God revealing himself in a greater way to us. But you look at others like in Isaiah. Just like Job, there was no known sin in, in the word of God that Isaiah committed. But he said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I have a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. You see, when we get our eyes off ourselves and off of everyone else, and when we see God in a greater way, it reveals to us there are things in our life that we can and should and need to repent of. Paul, you know, there was no known sin when this chapter was written to call, cause Paul to say, This old wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? No obvious known sin. But we know the different recordings in the, in the book of uh, Romans and Acts that uh, Paul did some things that wasn't Right? Daniel. Now, Daniel was a man clean as a whistle, you might say today. Um, they found no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor there was any error or fault found in him. That's a pretty good description of, of a godly man. And yet Daniel found himself in situations where he needed to cry out to God. Um, well, how do we prepare ourselves this afternoon for personal repentance? I remember somebody from right here one night, years and years ago, um, we were in the book of James, and it, where it talks about we ought to confess our, sin, confess our faults one to another, and Individual said, well, I'm not going to blurt out all my sins before everybody here. 
I remember, right or wrong, my first thought was, was maybe you ought to. Not a person was a far more godly man I'll ever be. But that was the first thought that came to mind, whether it was judging or not. I don't remember. May God forgive me if it was. But we are to confess our sins, our faults, one to another. It helps us to overcome them, and it helps us not to want to do them anymore. And in Psalms chapter 19, in verse 8, it says, This commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. You know, when we see things, um, we only see what we want to see. But when we get into the Word of God, it enlightens our eyes. It helps us to actually see what's really going on in our lives. And I think tonight we need, at least I need to, allow the commandments of the Word of God to enlighten my eyes to things that are not right in my life. And I was... A few months ago, I was just you know, doing a little studying, and, and this verse in 1 John 5 says, If you say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. And it just reminded me that, you know, sometimes, you know, you go to the Lord's Supper, and sometimes you feel you had a pretty good week. You know, He didn't mess up, and things were going well, and the Lord gave you great things. And, and the Scripture still says, let a man examine himself. Enough so letting me. Why do we need to examine ourselves? There's things wrong in each of our lives. First John 5 was written to believers, and he's telling them to acknowledge that they have sin. And for us to be able to pray in repentance and personal repentance, we have to acknowledge there's things not right. You know, there's, there's things that we can repent of. I've read a lot of different revivals and books about revivals and uh, great uh, times of souls being saved. And I've never read one yet, and maybe there's many out there that aren't this way, but I've never read one yet that didn't begin with prayer that brought personal repentance. Either it was a a person or a couple or, or a group of people, and they prayed. And the first thing that the Lord did to them was bring personal repentance. I remember one of the, the um, singers, young singers back in the 70s. I think it was Keith Green, if I remember correctly. I read one of a, a little book or something about him. And he said he was in one of the colleges and, and, and he was sharing the Word of God and singing. And, and all of a sudden it just kind of a, a, a revival started. And people started coming up to the to the uh, microphone and platform and, and repenting of sins. I'm not saying we need to do that tonight, but that's what happened in that particular one. And there was a great, I believe it was in Texas, and there was a great revival in that city that went on. I would just like to close with Daniel's prayer in Daniel chapter 2. Get to it. Chapter 2, beginning of verse 14. Then Daniel answered with counsel and wisdom to 
Arioch, the captain of the king's guard, who has gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. Now, this is where Daniel found himself in a difficult situation. And tonight, we're not in a difficult situation. I think the principle will still apply. There's people always listening to the radio on the way over here from work, and, and uh, people are being attacked by the ISIS group and stuff and losing their lives. They're in a difficult situation, like Daniel was about to lose his life. Well, we aren't in that situation tonight. He, Daniel, answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree hasty from the king? Then Arioch made the thing known unto David. You remember the story that the wise men couldn't answer the, uh, the king's question of what his dream was. And so he decided to slay them all. What good are they? They can't answer, you know, tell me what my dream is. Difficult, because he didn't even know what his dream was. He'd forgotten it. Then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time, that he would show the king the interpretation. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions, that they would desire mercies of the God of heaven concerning this secret, that Daniel and his fellows should not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then was a secret revealed unto Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Now, this is an example of, of a man who believed in prayer. And he had friends who believed in prayer. And I think those of you here tonight believe in prayer. And if we're going to come and pray about personal repentance, so that God, not that we might get blessing and stuff out of it, but that God might be honored and glorified. And if he so desires to use us, so be it. But we might realize that God does answer prayers. Prayer of repentance. He will forgive us for our sins if we repent. And in one sense, He doesn't forgive us of our sins, as it were, while we're on this earth, if we don't confess. Because how do we get forgiveness? If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we bear the consequences of those things. But Daniel believed in prayer. So much so... And so much so his friends, that he went and he got together with them and said, let's pray. Maybe God will, not maybe, they prayed that God would give them the secret, the dream that the king had. And God did answer that prayer. And that's what we, um, I think, as a group across this nation trying to do, is trying to, to get our, uh, our eyes to be enlightened, to know God a little better. To believe that he does answer prayer, that he wants to have revival first in us and then in our city and so forth. And we need to trust God that he will answer those prayers. And not just trust to believe it, you know. Well, we'll leave it in God's hands. Well, why don't we believe that God will do it now instead of leaving it in hands? It's kind of like, well, maybe he'll do it sometime. But no, he will answer our prayers. And I would just like to challenge us to get a greater glimpse of, of God, to let our eyes be open tonight, to see God in a greater way that might cause us to repent. And not to, you know, just a, a big crying session, or it may turn into that, or, or just, you know, because uh, we feel like we have to, but because God is moving our hearts 
to repent of our sins. Those things which are not glorifying to Him. And each of us, myself included, have things that are not glorifying to the Lord. We'll just pray for a second and then we'll go from there. Father, we we think of something like this, you know, it pricks us at our heart and mind. Is there really something that we need to repent of? Help us to admit to it tonight. Help us, Father, just to allow thy spirit to use us, to move in us, and help us to be willing to allow him to use us. We do pray, Father, there might be personal repentance in each of us. Not for any blessing for us, but to glorify you. And that when we see the true God, and see he wants to use men, use us, and women, here tonight, and those who will be coming, to use us mightily for your name's sake, to reach out to those who are lost, to build up those who are new believers, to be encouraged with one another and grow in our faith, and to be able to step out in faith and be used of you to do the things that you, you want to do with us and the reaching of lost souls and the building up of the saints. Just ask that we may have the faith that Daniel and his friends did because they prayed knowing that you would answer, and you did. So we look to you giving you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.